Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast to inspire your desire so you can have whatever kind of sex life makes you happy today, this week, this sexual epic. Our guest today is a married dude in his 60s. He's straight, but not super into labels, and has learned the fun of cockplay. He loves sex, especially sneaky sex, has been known to introduce himself as bisexual on dating apps. From Southwest Pennsylvania, welcome, Oscar. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to finally talk to you. It's so good to finally talk to you. Okay, I want to start off by asking you, will you tell our listeners, please, on a shame-a-meter from 1 to 10, with 10 being the most full of shame, this is sexual shame specifically, and 1 being the least full of shame, where do you fall today in this moment? I've heard you ask this question many times, and I never quite understood what you were asking. I've tried Ooh. to narrow it down so I understand. As far as Right at this moment, speaking with you, I don't feel any. Okay. In general, over the years, of course, you change with time as you learn more about life. And I think a lot of us start out with some guilt during certain periods of our life. I would say that the guilt I feel has nothing to do with the actual sex I have, but the deception I've used to keep that from other people. Okay. That, that gives me guilt. Got it. If things were different and I didn't have the family and friends who I felt like I didn't want them to know that I've deceived them, yeah. then I would have 
very little shape. I don't see anything wrong with sex at all myself. Great. So I don't see any reason to be ashamed of that as long as it's consensual and safe and nobody gets harmed by it. Beautiful. Are there moments where that guilt, those guilt feelings come up for you specifically? Like are there specific moments where they get triggered or is it just kind of one of those things like if it's on your mind and you're around somebody that you know you've deceived because you know that it wouldn't be in line with their comfort or whatever, you know, because we live in the society that kind of encourages a sneakiness rather than a discomfort openness. Like when do you notice that comes up for you? I most notice it if there's somebody who maybe has found out okay. I've deceived them. And then that topic comes up when we're together. Say you're watching a movie or something and a person has an affair or does something. And I'm seeing that with somebody who knows I have deceived them in the past mm -hmm. or whatever. And has since known otherwise. Then I feel guilt over the fact that I was less than honest with somebody. That makes a lot of sense. Because I'd rather be honest, but society kind of puts you in a position sometimes where you have to choose between, do I want to write this person off forever from my life because they won't approve of me or my behaviors, or do I want to just keep that from them? And I don't have a problem doing that with people I don't have sex with. It's none of their business. Yeah. With the exception of my immediate family, I believe that if, say, my sons or I've raised a lot of kids that weren't even my kids mm. in one way or the other. I did social work with children who needed some mentoring and things like that. Mm -hmm. If they found out I deceived them, then they would not trust everything else I talked to them about. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to lose that. And that bothers me. Oh, that makes I wish sense. I could have been honest with them about everything, but you don't talk about that stuff with children to begin with. And, you know, I typically do not discuss my sex life with anybody I'm not having sex with. Well, I feel very honored in that case. Okay, so can you give us a little overview then of what your sex life is like right now? I'd have to say it's very close to being the best it's ever been or could be. Whoa. I've probably met the perfect partner. Wow. That, I think that's why. Because now I don't have to do the deception. Yeah. It's met with open arms, pretty much. Not such that she feels like she has to accept or is forced to do it, but that she's willing to. And if there's something that's not her thing, she's perfectly capable of saying it. But, yeah, it's the best ever been i'd have to say amazing can you tell us what the word sexy means to you to me it's all attitude every bit of attitude very little to do with looks you can sex something up with different clothing or makeup or things like that i, you know, I love a good hoary look <laughs> me too but you know the librarian can be very sexy too yeah if you know what she's wearing in here. Fuck yeah. I just love a person who is confident, but not demanding and open-minded and energized, not hesitant, not judgmental. That's very sexy to me. Awesome. 
Okay, before we dive in, can you tell us what happens to your shame meter if it's time to talk to a new partner about safer sex? And what would that conversation ideally look like for you? No shame talking about with a potential partner. I establish my parameters very quickly and bluntly. So because things are so good right now with the partner I have, I don't even interact with other women as potential sex partners. I don't even attempt to. Now, should that opportunity arise, I can't say I wouldn't, but I would check in with her first. Smart. Most of my conversations are with guys who are interested in a little bit of activity. And because of the situation I have with her, we're trying to bring other people into some of our activities, male or female. She's never been with a female and she wants to. It way turns her on to watch man on man. Cool. I found that out after I hinted at that that was in my past. So that turns her on very much. So she really wants, you know, to bring a man into our situation. And I guess there's a difference between MMF and MFM, you know, how they're listed. I always get confused and people have to tell me every time. So I like to just get specific about what the fantasy is in the threesome. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want it to just be that two guys are doing her. She'd rather think of it as her and I doing another guy. Ooh, I love that. So there's a little bit of everything going on. Yeah. Not just one guy doing her and then the other guy doing her and then both of them doing her. I'm sure she'd have fun with it. Totally, totally. I get it. But she's more interested in me doing stuff with the guy, too. Oh, I love it. I'm interested in all of it. Okay. And then just for learning purposes, can you just give us like a quick, like what you would say if it was time to talk to a new partner? Like, are you just like, we use condoms, I use condoms, when was your test or how do you do it? Say if I'm talking to the guy, they say top, bottom, all that. I just say versatile. Okay. Because on the circumstances, something might happen, but all penetration is with a top. Or it doesn't happen, except for oral. Okay. Oral is, you know, if we agree that we feel safe enough with each other, then oral is okay without a condom or a dam or whatever would be used. But any penetration is with a condom. And that's just how it is because it's not important enough to have a risk. And it's good enough like that. And there are options for if you don't like a condom, you can stick with oral. Totally. Or you can start out with a condom and then take it off and finish orally. Or there are options. And I don't like condoms, you know, but that's just the world we live in. Yeah. I don't like condoms, but I do like fucking multiple people that I'm not fluid bonded to. So I'll take the condoms. <laughs> okay. So now, please take us back to your early years and tell us when do you first remember hearing about sex? What do you remember feeling about it? Well, I'm one of those rare people that. I remember clear back to being two years old. Whoa. Oh, cool. I don't remember everything. Yeah. But I remember things that have been verified by people that, yes, that absolutely happened that way. So I, for some reason, I have one of those kind of memories, which is ironic because I can't remember a damn thing I did two days ago sometimes. (laughs) So when I was very young, I had a female cousin. 
and she and I would have baths together at my grandmother's in the kitchen sink. Now, to remind people that are listening, I'm old. <laughs> so society and technology and everything was very different when I was young. Back in those days, there was an emphasis on saving hot water. Mm-hmm. So in families, people sometimes bathe together, yeah. and especially small children. So my girl cousin, who was within months my age, she and I often bathe together. And I sort of remember it, but I don't remember anything I did. But then all of a sudden, they quit bathing us together. I don't remember if that was just we got old enough that maybe they needed to quit doing that. But I do remember at my grandparents' house, it was out in the country on a farm. They had a big front porch. And underneath it, there were these double doors that opened up because that's where the coal would come in and things like that. And there was a big area under the porch. And she and I would go down there and play. And she'd say, let's play house. All right, we'll play house. It was dirt under there, and there was a bank. It was a low level where they brought the coal in, and then there were little hillsides that came up from it. And she'd say, well, I have to go to the bathroom. And she'd go up that little bank like she was going up to the bathroom. And then she'd say, well, you won't believe me unless I show you. So she'd pull her pants down and pretend like she was using the bathroom, and my eyes were glued to her. It was just the most wonderful thing in the world. And we were probably three when we first did that. And then, of course, she would require me to do that. And I'd have to go act like I'm going to the bathroom, and I'd have to show her my dick, which, of course, that little thing would probably look like a doorstop. Totally. I remember I loved it. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why I loved it, but I loved it. Couldn't wait to do it. We got caught a couple times. So it had to go by the wayside. That, That stopped. But. At three, I remember we lived in an apartment, and I have three older sisters, and there was one bedroom that the window faced another building, and I was always told, don't play in that window. And I remember the window was cracked, and there was a piece of tape over it. We were poor. There was a piece of red tape over it. And sometimes when I'd go in there, because I wasn't supposed to, I'd want to go in there and look out the window. A lot of times, all I saw was another building and a window. But a couple times, I saw an old guy, and he shook his dick. And he was doing that a lot to my sisters. Oh. And that's why it was a family thing. Don't go into that window. Don't look out that window. Because the buildings were very close. So when you looked out that window, all you saw was the other window. And that old guy would flash my sisters. And I don't know if he was flashing me or just being careless or whatever. But I remember that intrigued me. Yeah. It didn't scare me or anything. It was just like, oh. And then in that same place, I remember running back and forth on the couch naked one day after a bath. <laughs> and my mother told me I better stop doing that or a bird will get my worm. <laughs> so I knew that I probably wasn't supposed to be doing that. That is such a hilarious. Also, uh, very similar to my adult self. I'm walking around naked, run on my couches naked all I want. So a bird would get your worm. Were there other euphemism type talks you got in your household? It sounds like the vibe around sex was sort of the unspoken, but like mildly acknowledged. What were your parents like when it came to talking about things? Did you ever get a talk? I got almost nothing. Wow. I think they were so concerned about my three sisters. Mm. My mother was a very attractive lady from the country. Mm. 
grew up with five boys on a farm, so she could go bear hunting with a switch, as they say. She was a fiery woman, but she was pretty attractive. Yeah. And I think she probably had to fight off a lot of bad things in her life. Mm. My father was a very timid, gentle, kind person. It's probably why she fell in love with him. He's probably the first guy that treated her respectfully, is my guess. And he dearly loved her. But they had three, and I'm not saying it because they were my sisters, beautiful daughters. And we were poor. And poor girls go through hell, I believe. Then you throw attractive on top of it. And I think they were so worried that my sisters would face a lot of abuse that all their concentrations and thoughts and everything about sex was about protect the girls. And there was probably not much thought about worrying about me because I'm a boy. By the time I came along, my mother struggled with alcoholism, didn't know it at a young age, just seemed like she drank. Mm -hmm. And my father would drink too, and they would go out a lot and things like that. So I got left to be babysat oftentimes by their friends. And because I was babysat by a lot of friends who had older children, oftentimes I'd be put in a bed with another boy who was probably going through puberty. Oh. And so I'd end up sleeping in a bed with a boy who had this uncontrollable sex drive at the time, as boys do when that happens. And so oftentimes in the middle of the night, there'd be a hand in my pants and my hand would be grabbed and put on theirs. And it was very common at a young age, at three years old, that I'd be holding some guy's dick and not even knowing why. Right. And then the next day, nothing was said, nothing, you know. So I knew it was kind of sneaky, but it was kind of exciting to me. Okay. Didn't know why. Well, I was fine with it. Didn't bother me. So some people in their youth, when they have these kind of experiences, it's from some adult that does this and uses their position of power and it's traumatic and it's horrible. I would say even though my experiences in my youth, and there were a lot, did start out with some older boys, they still seemed close enough in age to me that it was more like a peer. Even though I looked up to them and everything, it was still another kid. It wasn't an adult. So it didn't have that creepy, scary factor in it. Yeah, It had more of a wow, what are we doing? So I had those experiences a lot. Can you take us through the ones that feel like they are formative? Because I also really want to hear about your adult experiences, because it sounds like you have a lot of juicy stuff. So because of where I was in life, being the youngest in my family and younger than most of my family's friends' kids, and that's who you socialized around back then. Yeah. You didn't have information technology. You didn't travel a lot. So you had your local social group that all the people I knew felt like they had to be around me. Like I was past the people because I was the youngest. They had to be responsible for me. I was a real hyperactive little boy. So everybody I was around was kind of irritated about me being around. And it was kind of like, okay, come on. So I had this strong desire to want to be accepted and not feel like, you know, I'm a chore. 
Yeah. And the people that most acted accepting of me were the ones that wanted to, you know, fuck around somehow mm -hmm. and let me help them do it. And early on, that was all the boys that I had to stay around. Yeah, I'd be hanging out with these boys. And they'd let me come and play with them and be accepting. And then when nobody's around, yeah, then it was like, okay, you can help me kind of thing. So I developed this, hey, this, this is when I'm most excited, sneaky, and I, I liked it, even though I had no idea. I didn't know anything about orgasms or anything like that. It was just like, they like doing this. And they like me being around when they do it. And my dick got hard every time. Okay. So it's like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I don't know what we're doing, but I'll do it. And so before my first orgasm, probably one of the most sexual things I had done, there was this boy that lived across the street from me. And as poor as we were, they were poorer. And they had multiple generations living in one little house. He had a great uncle that lived on the bottom floor. He, his brother, his sister, and mother and father lived in two rooms on the second floor. And one room was a kitchen. So they all slept in one room. Wow. And then upstairs was the grandmother and an aunt. And they had the upstairs, which had a living room, a bedroom, and a bathroom. And that whole extended family lived in that little house. And they were the most accepting friends in the whole neighborhood that we had. So I spent a lot of time. And they had two older boys who I always looked up to. They were better at sports and things like that. So I went over there a lot. Yeah. And the one boy was pretty sexual. And so a lot of times when it was just me and him, he would initiate something. And it evolved to where the ultimate stuff that he and I did we would go into the bathroom because we were told go take a bath. So there was nobody thought anything of two boys being in the bathroom with the door shut. We'd go into the bathroom and this boy was older. So he'd already started coming into puberty and his dick looked huge to me, Yeah. which when you have one and you see a bigger one, you can't help but to be mesmerized by it. You know, you know what yours feels like. And, and you'd wonder what that one would feel like. So he would have me like jack him off and play with him and stuff. And it was just so intriguing to me. Yeah. It's like, wow, I hope mine gets like this when I grow up kind of thing. And yeah, I play with him and stuff. And then he would stop me. He never had me do anything to finish, okay. but he would finish himself. And I'd seen him jack off a few times and he'd always go over to the sink and come into the sink i had no idea what that was and i'd had infantigo where you get the sores yeah i'd gotten that when i was much younger and i saw the pus that came out of those and i thought he was squeezing pus out of his dick oh my gosh <laughs> on top of that his family was very religious his mother was one of these evangelical Christians where you hear them talk about speaking in tongues and things like that. And they weren't allowed to play with cards. 
because cards were the devil's tools and things like that. They were very religious. So you probably know enough about boys and orgasms and the flush of oxytocin that happens and all that. Well, it translates into boys that age as pure guilt. Mm. Pure, I, I sinned and I did something wrong and I just want to get as far away from it as I can. There's a buildup of, I don't care what happens, I'm going to do this, and then as soon as you come, you have to get as far away from it as possible because you have such guilt. And this boy experienced this. I didn't know any of that. Right, of course. I knew that, you know, Jesus says you're not supposed to do that or whatever was taught, but I never understood how his switch was flipped because he'd be so, like, into it, like, here, do this, do that, and all that. And then he'd go to sink and squeeze this pus out of him. And then he'd tell me, go home. Oh. He'd be mean to me. I dare go home. Wow. And I'd be like, oh, oh. and I'd leave and go home. And I was like, well, what do I do? You know? And I thought that it hurt him somehow. And he was squeezing this pus out of him. And that I did something wrong. I still hadn't understood what was going on. But every time he wanted to do something, I did it because I thought it was kind of fun. And then that led up to my first orgasm ever. I moved to a new neighborhood. And when I moved to the new neighborhood, it was a totally different experience because somehow, as poor as we were, we moved to the edge of the affluent part of town. So there were you know, nice places and everything. And I met these boys. There were a lot of boys in the neighborhood and everything. And again, Back in those days, there was no video games or any kind of stuff like that. You had board games once in a while for rainy days, but pretty much you were always outside. And you always knew where everybody was because there was a bicycle with a baseball glove hanging on the handlebars. And there'd be like five of them. So that's where the guys are hanging out. and You'd go there. Well, I met these two brothers, and their family was pretty well-to-do by our standards. Mm-hmm. And their dad was a Boy Scout leader and all that. And they had this bitching tent in their backyard. And to a little boy, that kind of stuff is just, yeah, I love camping and all that. And they had one of these real nice tents. It was like a room. And back then, all the tents were canvas and clean ass to set up and everything else. And they had it set up perfectly, even had cots in it. I was just mesmerized by it. And the one boy, one day we were hanging out and playing, and we went into the tent, and he had comic books and stuff in there. And he said, let's jack off. And I had no idea what jack off meant. Yeah. But he made it pretty clear what it was going to mean, because he pulls dick out and reaches over and grabs mine. And, of course, I didn't want to say I don't know or whatever. I just said, okay. Mm-hmm. So he was close to my age. We were close in the same class in school, but he had been held back. How old are you right now? I was about 10 by the time we moved, and I met these guys. Okay. So I knew a little bit about sex by then because I found one of my dad's Playboys. Okay. And I flipped through it and looked at it and loved it, but still didn't know a lot. And then that boy said, let's jack off. and. I said, okay, but I didn't know what to do. So I waited and just like kind of let him lead us through it. Clearly he had done this before because he knew exactly what to do. He said, take your pants down, 
he took his down and he said, lay here on the cot next to me. And I went to lay on the cot. No, not that way. So he had us lay head to toe, kind of like a 69, but next to each other. That was the right way to do it because you're not reaching over top with one hand. So we both could just reach over and grab. And he was just enough older than me. He had a big dick too. And it turns out over time, I learned, I knew this guy. He was just one of those big dick guys and it had a curve to it. And I'd never seen that before. Curved to the side a little bit. And that intrigued me more. So then he said, do what I do. So he grabbed me and he started stroking me up and down. I'd never done that. I'd played with myself in the bathtub, flipping it, twirling and stuff like that, and playing with you know the G.I. Joe in the bathtub, punching it and stuff, but I had no idea what to do to stimulate myself. Yeah. So it was the first time I'd had a masturbatory stroke on my dick. And he was doing it. So I was doing exactly to him what he did to me. Uh-huh. And of course we build up momentum and stuff and he was much bigger Mm -hmm. which made it more intriguing to me and i liked it and then he just said you fucker you're gonna make me come he shot all over the place it didn't seem like it hurt him and it didn't seem like pus and almost immediately when he did that i started having an orgasm oh wow yeah and it was my first orgasm ever I was so young, I didn't produce any semen. It just felt incredible. And I didn't know what an orgasm was or coming, but I said, did you feel that? Did you feel that to him? And he said, what? I said, that numb kind of good feeling. He said, yeah, you come. Like I was an idiot. Uh He couldn't believe I didn't know. But from that moment on, it was on. I want to do this all the time. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories that take off from there about my youth because the way my life went was I had a lot of experience with boys in my youth because you didn't do anything with girls. That was wrong. And I always wanted to show respect to girls. When they get older and they want to get married, they make love to their husband. and all. So it was just women were so out of bounds that, even though I dreamed of that, pussies and titties and things like that, yeah. they were just so out of bounds. And I think the whole thing was in that neighborhood, it was kind of like a legacy that was passed on wow. to any new boy that came around. And it was presented to me as all guys do this to learn to be better at sex, it helps them resist women and not get in trouble. Until women decide you can have it, and then you switch to women. Oh, my gosh. So this is like a secret brotherhood that evolved because of the social constructs of how secrets work. Absolutely. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. Bluechew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at Bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. 
The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. The goal was always to have a girlfriend and have sex with a girl. Yeah. At about 15 years old or 16 years old, stopped cold turkey with boys. It was like, okay, I'm starting to get some action with girls now. So my need for stuff with boys was done. It's like I graduated out of that. Now I'm on the real sex. You know, that was the pretend sex. That's what it kind of was to me. I always pretended. Like a lot of times I shut my eyes and pretend like it was a woman or okay. a girl or whatever. You know, a lot. Because that's how I learned. We're just doing this to help each other out. And it'll make us better when we do. Yeah. And I quit with boys completely or guys completely for over seven years or so. And, and then I went to the military and I was in the military. I'd gone through the four years with just girls. Got out once a year and then dropped out and went to the military. I'm there four years. And towards the end of it, my girlfriend in the military and I were out. And I tell a lot of things I'm not proud of. Drugs and alcohol are in that history. And that night, I was pretty drunk. We were all out of the bar, a group of us. And I was pretty drunk. And I don't even remember why, but my girlfriend got mad at me and left the bar and left me there. And she always drove. I'm sure it was all my fault. But she left. And it was common back then that if you're in the military, that didn't matter. You just go out to the road, stick your thumb out, somebody was going back to the fort or the base or whatever, and they would pick you up and take you. So I wasn't concerned. So I stayed there and kept drinking. And then I got to the point where I needed some fresh air. Went outside to get some fresh air, and the place had like a little boardwalk in front of it, like the old Western-style boardwalks. And back then there were payphones. And I uh, standing there just breathing, trying to get some fresh air because I was pretty drunk. And the phone rang next to me. And, of course, I was like, all right, all right, so what the hell? And I picked it up, and hello. And it was a guy, and he said, or, do you like getting your dick sucked? What? And I said, who doesn't? What's your point? And he said, well, I'll suck it. And I said, through the phone? <laughs> and, and he said, no, no, just stay there. I'll be there in a minute. Oh, my gosh. So I said, okay. So I stayed there, but I was leery. Like, is this a setup? Is somebody come and beat up a fag or whatever they do back then or something? Yeah. But I've always been pretty sure of myself physically and everything, not real easily intimidated and stuff. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to stay here and see what happens. And I wasn't scared. 
And he drove up in like a rack top CJ5 Jeep, the real nice one. So he must have had some money. And he said, hey, was that on you on the phone? And I said, well, yeah, that was me on the phone. <laughs> and he said, well, get in. I said, okay. So I got the Jeep and we drove and this was down south. And I said, you know, do you have a place? And he said, no, I don't, but I know a good place to go. We drove out in the country, and there were orange groves, mm. and they were laid out like a grid, all these orange trees. And he just drove down one row, and turned and drove down another row, and we ended up in the middle of this orange grove, out in the middle of nowhere, and there was grass between the trees that was comfortable. We played around while we were driving, and next thing you know, I'm fucking him and everything. I was really going at it as though he were my girlfriend. <laughs> that was the first time with a guy after I quit for a long time. Okay. That was just before I got out of the military okay. and moved back to my home area. I wanted to go back to college. Got it. That kind of opened the door for me considering to do something with guys again. Mm-hmm. At that point, I didn't want to want to because I thought, you know, I like women. But you know, I was so highly sexualized, too, that I didn't get enough. And on hindsight, I look at this as there's a song or something about I'm just a girl that can't say no. I'm that way. I can't say no. I don't pursue it much. I let it known what I'm capable of. And then if somebody pursues it with me, then it's like, sure, I'll do it. I think a lot of that had to do with me wanting to be accepted and liked. And from early on, Those are the people that accepted and liked me were the people that I brought sexual pleasure to. Yeah, I can relate to that. So I could never say no to it. And I think that might be part of why. You know, I don't consciously think that. Like, I want them to like me, so I'm going to do it. But it's more like a feeling like, it. you know, it's more of a turn on to me. And it's more why I can't say no, I think. It's just like it validates that I'm worthy of their company or something. I don't know. I never tried to go that deep into it, and I never did go deep into it until the emotional part and all that, until I first time ever came out to somebody about that. And that's my current level. Oh, really? What was that like for you? Very nerve wracking and a very long, drawn out process. Okay. Because I wanted to walk her through my mindset, and I wanted her to understand why I had deceived her in the past. And it was a lot of reasons, but I think the bottom line is, you know, growing up the way I did, you're emasculated in a lot of ways if you admit that you have fun with a dick. It's not yours. And that was always hammered into me that, you know, when your father's not here, you're the man of the house. With her, it started out with she had opened up to me about being assaulted by a family member and how that affected her. And in my efforts to comfort her and explain to her that that's not a reflection on her at all and things like that, I told her, as a matter of fact, I had my issue. Because there was one instance where an adult tried to me, and it was the only really bad experience like that that I ever had. And it was bad enough that it affected everything about it for years. It was more psychological than it was physical because I didn't actually follow through. So my current lover 
told me about her issues. Hers went further than that. I think there were multiple times that she was assaulted and stuff by a family member. And it was traumatic for her. What I've learned a lot is when you do that to a child, it's not over when you're done doing it. It affects that child for the rest of their life. That's why it's so horrible. And it changes their whole direction in life sometimes. I know it did mine. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was trying to explain to her, listen, it's not a reflection of you. It's something that happened to you. And then I said, I've had my issues too. And I told her a little bit about it. And I told her that because of that, I had other times with boys too. Now, that's not exactly true. I'd done it before then, and I'd done it after that. But at the time, I told her, yeah, and it made me do things. And I kind of, I justified my head telling her that so it'd make her feel better. But the truth was, I didn't want to admit that I did it of my own free will, that I was forced to do it, kind of thing, back then. I didn't want to be emasculated. But it did comfort her, and it did make a closeness. Now, when I had this conversation with her, she and I had already had sex years before. Uh And this was like a reunion kind of thing. And I told her that. And then we started having a relationship again after that. And then over time, I slowly started telling her because she seemed more and more interested. Okay. I slowly started telling her what I'd done in the past. And she knew me in college days and stuff. And you know how some guys maybe overcompensate for... I don't want people to think I'm this, so I'm going to overdo being the opposite of that. I had so much sex with women, proving to myself you know, that I am a man and heterosexual, mm-hmm. that I got a bit of a reputation. She knew my reputation. And so I just opened up to her about all my past. Because I said, you know what? I'm just going to show you we all have this. Yeah. You're not bad or worse or less than anybody else because you had to deal with it. And because that happened to her and everything. As I said, it affects the child for the rest of their life. She and I were both very sexualized. And you become very sexualized. If you can turn that into a positive thing, it's wonderful. And so now I would love to hear, it sounds like there's this beautiful trust between you and this partner that has come through this connection over decades and through lots of sharing. And so I would love to hear just kind of like, what have you been experiencing lately? Or what are some of the things that you just like love about your sex life? She had a birthday the other day. And knowing what she likes and what she wants and what would turn her on, I arranged with a friend of mine uh, who runs an adult bookstore. So he's gay, Uh married, and his husband comes there a lot and sits with him while he works. And I would arranged to show up just before closing time and came in with her and she and I went and got in the booth. And the way it's situated, you could open the door to the booth and look straight out front to the desk. Uh-huh. So we went in and I got her going a little bit and it was real exciting for her to be in there in the first place. She had gone in the front part and had looked at stuff And I've had her in bookstores before, but this was, we're coming here for a reason and we're going to do something. And I told her ahead of time, she didn't know we were coming here, but I told her, you know, wear sexy, easy access clothes, 
and be prepared. So we came to this adult bookstore, and we walked in, and she spoke to them and everything. And we went back and got in the booth, and I started eating her. I got behind her, had her bent over, and I ate her. And I like to lick her ass, too. And I was doing that, and then I said, open the door. And she's like, oh, my God, no, I'm not opening the door. I said, go ahead, open the door. And she said, no, I don't want them to see. I said, it's been prearranged. And so then she's like, okay. And she opened the door. And when she did, the one guy was sucking the other guy. And she could see him. And I know that turns her on. Mm. And she was like, oh, my God. So then I said, have fun watching for a while while I ate her. So she watched them, and I ate her. After a little while, I shut the door. I let her watch some porn in the booth. And next thing you know, this dick comes through the hole in the booth, the glory hole. Yeah. And she always had little fantasies about that anyway. And so I looked at her, and I said, I know this turns you on, so I'm going to do it. And then I started getting the guy ahead. And she watched. She masturbated and comped watching me doing it. Oh, my gosh. Then I stood up, and I grabbed her hand, and I put her hand on it. And she looked at me like, oh. And I, yeah, I said, go ahead. And so she played with a little bit. And I said, you yeah, know, that's not what he wants. Yeah, so then she started sucking. And then yeah, we took turns. She always wanted to do that with me. Oh. Yeah, really are on. He didn't come or anything. He told me he'd be willing to do it, but he didn't even know if he'd be hard because he was very gay. Uh-huh. So he didn't know if a woman would turn him off or not. I'd never done anything with this guy. We were just friends. Okay. I said, yeah, maybe that'll help, but it worked. Then yeah, it's so crowded in the booth and everything. Then after he walked out front, she and I went out in the little hallway there and I fucked her and she blew me. And then at one point, I forgot to tell you, in the booth, I opened the door all the way, and she started sucking me while the other guy was sucking his husband. He could look over and see them, and they could see us. And it was kind of funny. The one guy and I kind of, like, locked eyes, like, (laughs) (laughs) the guy's husband, the best way to describe it is he's known for having a BBC. Okay. Turns out he was going to come back and give it a shot, and they thought we were done. It was closing time, so there was no problem with people coming in, and it was like a birthday thing for her. And that was the last thing we did. Amazing. But we've done a lot. She's the one that got me interested in golden showers. Oh, okay. Which direction? Also, how long have you been sexual partners? I know it sounds off and on or something. Right. So we were friends in college. Okay how we got to know each other when i got out of the military i came back to go back to college and i ended up living in a house of three women me and three women and one was my girlfriend she was one that wasn't my girlfriend but lived there too okay cool we've all been the best of friends since then well the girlfriend became my wife who's now my ex-wife she's not friends with them anymore so much okay but the other two are still very close friends. The three of us are all very close friends. Got it. Wait, are you currently married and you have a girlfriend or is it separate? Yeah. Okay. Does the wife know or is it like on the DL things? No judgment here, just for clarity, just for understanding the frame. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know 
The Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Fleur app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, my wife and I had a really good relationship sexually. Uh-huh. And then to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not going to go hook up with guys or anything like that. Uh-huh. You know, this should be enough. Married, family, man, all that. But it quickly went south. She had to have a complete hysterectomy because of endometriosis. Oh, yeah. And it affected her such that she completely lost all desire for sex. Okay. Any kind of sex. And it was even painful for her. So what do I do? I went back to doing stuff with guys a lot. Okay. I, I don't pursue people. I don't pursue women or things like that. If they pursue me, well, you know, it's, I can't say no. And I didn't want to have an affair with a person. I didn't want to have emotional connection and all that. I love my wife. I just sex. So I was doing all the DL stuff with guys. And this woman had gotten married, moved away. You know, we hadn't seen each other in years. And then one of those reunion things where a bunch of people come back for a football game at your college. Mm -hmm. We saw each other then. And then, it rained like hell that day. And then they went back. They lived in another state. And she sent me a message and said, it was wet as hell the other day. I got soaked. And not in the fun way. And we had had sex in the past back in college. Okay. So I immediately thought, well, that's a sexual comment and everything. I'll bond in kind. And I said something about, yeah, the other way is a lot more fun. Just kind of leaving it that. Then she said something about, I don't know what the hell the problem is. I don't approve of extramarital affairs or something like that. And I thought she was like yelling at me. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I, you know, I thought we were joking around when you said that wet, but not in a fun way. I didn't mean anything about it or anything. She said, no, I'm talking to myself. I haven't stopped thinking about fucking you since then. Oh. I like me. I don't do that. And I was like, oh. Well, I mean, I didn't know what to do about it. Yeah. They already left and everything. So we stayed in touch. Okay. And she had family and stuff back this way. 
she had to come back because mom was ill. And she told me, I'm coming back. I'm going to be there for a few days. Stay at the hotel. Why don't you come by? So then I was like, yeah, I could probably do that. At the time, I was working out a lot, doing you know, running and lifting and all that. And I wasn't ashamed of my body. Yeah. And she said, why don't you give me a private dance in my hotel room? I thought, ah, what the hell? <laughs> I'll do it. But I forget what I use for music. And I'd taken a woman's scrunchie in our college colors, and I used it like a big cock strap around my ball, my dick. Amazing. And I went in and I put on one of the songs that we all used to dance to in college. Yeah, you know, like when they would come on, we'd all get up and dance to kind of thing. I put that on. And then I stripped dance for her in her hotel room. And it turned out to be kind of fun. We had a lot of sex that then. And then she slowly started just coming back more. And then they ended up moving here as though it were going to be like their vacation home. Okay. The thing is, if there was no sex or anything else, she's my best friend in the world. Yeah. I don't even like it when she goes in the other room. Mm. I mean, I'm not clinging or anything, but if for my preference, She'd be around me all the time. Yeah. I never pursued anything with her other than just let's fuck. She was married and all that. But we were such close friends. And given my ambiguous lifestyle, none of my relationships ever really worked because I was never really honest. And, you know, when I started a romance with somebody, I put unrealistic expectations on myself and on them. And my romantic relationships seem less close than my friendships. I hear that from a lot of people. Yeah. And she kind of hinted about us having like a romance. I fought it. I'm no, never going to do it. I never romance one of my friends. I won't do it. I've romanced somebody and then it fell apart. We stayed friends. That happens a lot. Okay. But I never romanced a friend because... It just was bound to fall apart. Uh, so we just stayed at that level. Friends with benefits. We both said that. Friends with benefits. And whenever I'd be talking to people, I'd say, well, my female friends with benefits. So then my wife, over the years, you know, we still loved each other. We raised a family and got along great and all that. But all during that time, I'd slip out and go do something with a guy or whatever. I had some women during those times. But I never had a girlfriend or a romance. Okay. I wouldn't do that part. And then what one of my friends warned me would happen, happened. My wife caught me once with a guy. Oh. She didn't actually see what was going on, but she knew something had been going on. She and I were in a different part of the house alone, and I was worked up. <laughs> I get flushed and red sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm all worked up and she knew he was gay and so she sort of knew okay. I mean she didn't see it but she knew it enough I know she's smart enough and everything I didn't try to deny anything yeah. so that precipitated in the de-escalation of our relationship okay. but we stayed together but by her choice I mean I was like whatever you say I'll go along with you want me to leave whatever and at the time, she said, no, we've got too much together. And then she told me, listen, I don't care what you do. I really don't care. And she did give me a couple people that, but it can't be this person, this person, or this person. Okay. You can do whatever you want. I don't want to have to deal with it. 
I don't want to know. So that means, you know, family and friends can't know about it. And she and I haven't had sex in years. Okay. When we tried, it was too painful for her, no matter what I did. Yep, I get it. She doesn't want to do it. And the main thing I never want to be is a chore. Yeah. When you ask me about make somebody sexy, and an attitude, and, and less than looks or whatever, I've never been with a prostitute, ever, even though I was in the military. And there's a lot of people I would not have sex with mm. because I didn't get the feeling if they wanted me. You know, I don't want somebody having sex with me and thinking, you know, did I leave the iron on? You know, or something like that. i got a big ego, I think. Or I'm egocentric enough because that's what does it for me is that that person really wants me and it's really into me. And what I really like is when that person feels like they can be the sex pig they always wanted to be and it's just fine with me. They didn't get any pushback from me at all. Yes. And my favorite things in life, two favorite things are orgasms, giving orgasms, and joygasms, which Humor is a big part of my life, but I think I'm being honest and objective when I say most of my friends think I'm the funniest person they know. Oh, amazing. It's medicine for us all. I try to be. I love being funny, and my goal is every time I see somebody and I'm around them, I try to get them to laugh at least once. I look at laughter as a joy gasm. It's my favorite gasm. Orgasm's the second. I actually prefer to give orgasms than to have them. Really? Well, when I was young, that's the only reason I did anything mm. was so I could have an orgasm. I thought I was a total top and all that and everything. It was all about my dick. Mm-hmm. But then I learned the joys of other stuff, other stimulation, the prostate and things like that. And I thought, yeah, there's a lot more to it than just getting up your dick off. Yeah. But. I think that wanting to be accepted and all that is, if I can make somebody come, then I've allowed them to at least let go for a minute and enjoy life and enjoy it. And if I do that, they're probably going to like me a little bit. And that's the best part for me. I'd rather walk away from a sex activity with somebody where they went, man, that was good. And me not even come at all. As I've aged, I've had some issues. Uh, I was in a bad wreck, and I had like a brain injury and stuff like that. And I think I'm pretty functioning and everything. But it did affect me for a while, like affect my erections and everything. And even Cialis wouldn't work because they work if your brain's turned on. But my issue was, as much as I wanted to be turned on, my brain wouldn't click to that for some reason. But it's come back for whatever reason. Okay. So what happened was, and so when I, I told you when I learned about orgasms and masturbation, and I said, oh, my God, it was on. I masturbated at least three times a day, every day, for 35 or 40 years, even if I was having sex. Whoa, okay. I'm not trying to say it like in a bragging way. That doesn't really mean I'm anything. I'm yeah. just horny a lot. <laughs> but that's what the goal was all the time, just to come as many times as I could one day. Now, I almost never masturbate. If I do, I probably don't masturbate to orgasm. Oh. Uh, I, I way much prefer 
to edge and build it up. And I read a long time ago about tantric sex, and I thought, yeah, that's not for me. I like tummy. Yeah. But I think that's where I am with it. Mm-hmm. I like to really keep it going. I still feel sexy when I don't come. Mm-hmm. And feeling horny makes me feel young. When I quit feeling real horny, it made me feel old. Yeah. And feeling horny is a youthful feeling. So I like that feeling. So I try to keep it. And the less I come, the more I keep it. But I really like making other people come. That's my favorite thing. Here's a question. Have you ever made anyone laugh while they were coming? I don't know if that's possible. I've had like hysterical gasms that were maybe something, but like maybe that's a new goal, a loosely held goal. <laughs> so what you've done is now you've challenged. <laughs> yes, I've thrown uh, down the gauntlet. <laughs> that's what happened over the years. If I thought of something, even if it was something I wasn't really into, if I thought of it, it's kind of like, oh, now I'm going to try it. No, I'm the same way. And there's just like so many things to try. I one time, so there's a fighter airplane called the F-4, and it has these intakes on the side under the cockpit. And I used to have to do inspections. You climb up in there, you crawl back in there, and it opens up, and you have to inspect the jet engine for damage and things like that. I was training a woman in how to do that. So we had to both get up in there, out on the flight line. Uh-huh. And I'd already had a little bit of a history. And so she was ahead of me because you have to kind of crawl through. And there was a little hole in her uniform right in the crotch. And so while she's doing that, I just reached up and gave it a little tickle. And she laughed about that. And then we went up and I said, I'm supposed to be training you on how to look for damage, but I'm thinking I'd rather train you on how to fucking uh, intake. Oh and she said, okay. And we peeled our uniforms off. We 69 in there for a little bit. And then I fucked her. And there was planes taking off, planes landing, people all around working, but nobody could see us because we were up in the intake. That's amazing. Can you just list for us several of your favorite things about sex, whether it's physical, emotional, anything we haven't talked about yet? Oh, well, my favorite things are when you can completely trust somebody enough to surrender to feel like you can be a sex pig and they can be a sex pig and neither of you are going to be hesitant judge or whatever it's like let's do this and have fun and maybe we'll do it again maybe we won't but let's not get too much in our heads yeah if we're gonna do it let's do it fuck yeah favorite sexual activity that has surprised you based on how much you liked it a little bit of golden shower stuff and eating an ass when or where is your body the most sensitive either in a good way or a painful way can't remember the term for it, but the underside of the head of my penis. Okay. There's a sensitive part there. I picture the penis being like a bigger version of a clit. Uh-huh. Same place where I get some of my best responses when I lick or suck whatever I do with the clit. Okay. So it's a good sensitive, like if you lick at that level. Oh, yeah. part. Okay. I don't know that I have bad sensitive. Great. If there's anything I don't like, I won't do it. Okay. I'm pretty much a dick-oriented guy like i don't twist my nipples okay i've learned the joys of prostate massages okay okay that's a sensitive positive sensitive it's funny i only like it if my dick is being stupid. okay what about tongues in your asshole i'm too self-conscious okay. i mean i've had it in the past loved it 
but I'm so self-conscious because I don't have pretty little rosebud. I don't feel comfortable with it because I'm self-conscious. I hear that. When do you feel the most in touch with your body? Having good sex with another person, showering, showering while having sex with another person, and hard physical labor. Do you ever get turned on by it, or is it a separate enjoyment? I don't get turned on by it, but afterwards, I feel sexy because, you know, I know my body's functioning. Yeah. I know I can pick up heavy things. Totally. <laughs> things like that. So I know, okay, you know, I'm still alive in, in this world. After having experienced it, maybe none of that would ever happen again. That's huge. I like being physical okay. a lot. Tell us the first turn-on that comes to mind and a turn-off. First turn-on that comes to mind is when I think of analing an anal with her. Uh, fuck yeah. She very much, she comes from me. That's awesome. So that's what makes it fun for me. I know that it's not all about just having anal. She's enjoying it very much. Nice. She loves it when I eat her. So I'm just waiting. Right now. Uh, so that's what really does it for me right now. But who knows next week it might be sucking her clit or, you know, she sucks me so damn good. I tell other guys when they ask about my partner, I say, well, she sucks me like a guy. <laughs> Great. What about a turn off? Uncleanliness. Okay. Yeah, I almost have like a clean fetish. Nice. What do you need in order to come? How much? The biggest thing is for the other person to be satisfied. Cool. Does talking about sex with partners feel easy or hard? How? Why? It's very easy for me with partners. Okay. Or potential partners. Yeah, yeah. I believe communication is what leads to good sex. Yeah. Favorite part of a blowjob? I almost insist with her now that she masturbate. Mm. Where I got to this was I had learned when I talked to some women about 69 I love 69 that a lot of women, it's not their favorite thing because it's too much multitasking for them mm. and they're concentrating on it and they can't relax and let themselves come. So I had started with her. I said, listen, me 69, all I want you to do is put my dick in your mouth and then forget about it. Don't think about blowing me. Don't think about doing anything. Just think about what I'm doing to you and feel that. And I said, your natural responses will be what turns me on. And it worked. Like when I'm eating her really good, she's real orgasmic. She has a lot of orgasms and stuff. And when she starts coming, she's going to town on me. And and I orgasm at the same time often. And, and it's nice for both of us because I really get into it because I enjoy her pleasure. And she's not trying to think about, well, I got to do this, I got to do that. She's just enjoying herself. Amazing. Are you into sexting? To a degree. Okay. I mean, I like talking about real stuff. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at making up what I want to do to another person. So I'm pretty good at doing that. But I don't care to hear what they want to do to me. I'd rather hear what they've done mm. or what they want me to do to them. I was going to say, that's my go-to when I'm like, can you please come over and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Okay. But I'd rather hear the real stuff, not something made up. Same. What about sending and receiving nudes? Do you do any of that? 
I will send if requested. Okay. But at my age, I know I'm not in my prime physically, so I'm not trying to show my body. Mm, okay. I get a good angle on my dick, and somebody wants a dick pic. Yeah, I'll do that. Nice. It's more guys that want dick pics. Yeah. Women. I would never send one unless it was explicitly asking for them. Smart. I love getting them, but not certain ones. Yeah. You know, if if a guy does it, I just need to see the dick. If a woman does it, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that is such a thing. The pictures that I get from dudes, even like when I'm like publicly soliciting them for art. Almost always just a penis, and I wonder, I like to see more, but I, I understand that not everyone's totally comfy. So, what porn do you like? Uh, like most people, I can watch about anything. Okay. Yeah, you know, I've seen stuff that I probably would never do, but it was kind of fun to watch it for a minute. But what I found is what I tend to do is, if I think I'm going to have some kind of particular sex, then I watch porn related to it. Fun. Inspiration. So it could be all over the place, depending on what I think I might be doing. And I have changed where I'm more likely to watch mostly amateur stuff. Got it. I don't want the porn star bodies and stuff because that's not the reality for me. And I've talked to with my partner and a couple of friends in that I think we kind of screw ourselves up by changing expectations of what's hot and what's a turn on and stuff. I've noticed that by watching amateur porn of people closer to my age, that now when I see a real person, I still think, well, they're pretty hot. Even if they're a little heavy, some people have cellulite. I do. Skin that flaps when you're going at it. Yeah. Things like that. Okay, so are there any kinks that you haven't explored yet that you want to explore? I never was able to get it to find any kink. Uh, yeah, it's a nebulous term. Probably a lot of what I've done, some people would say, oh, that's kink. Yeah, yeah. Group stuff has always been interesting to me. Cool. The one that I was curious about, golden showers, I've kind of brought that to fruition in some parts. It's just hard to think what's kinky. Totally. I get it. I get it. I was telling my partner the other day, if you Google kink, probably get BDSM. If you Google taboo, you get incest. Mm. But I think there's so much more stuff that could be called taboo. Yes. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that could be called kink. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, people use those terms really nebulously, and that is perhaps one of my greatest difficulties in trying to communicate with people, not just for this podcast, but like previously, and perhaps it's why this podcast exists, because I'm like, wait, but no, what do you mean specifically? Yeah. On that note of group sex, what sort of, we heard a little bit about it already, but do you have a grand group sex fantasy? Like, is it more private stuff? Would you ever go to a club or a party if that were presented in the right circumstances or more adult bookstore things? I've come close to going to a club or two. Okay. I visited two of them off hours when they weren't doing anything. And we almost went to one, but it's too local. Oh, okay. I already know a couple people that are there, and I know that they went there because somebody else told them. And I don't like that. Yeah. certainly don't like that somebody can be saying that I'm there. Yeah. You know, so I won't go. But it would be a lot of fun. I did go one time to a bathhouse in D.C. It was all male. A friend of mine who 
he and I don't do anything together, but he's gay. He's married to a woman, but he's privately gay. And he had told me about this bathhouse experience in DC. It's all men and stuff. And I've done enough of that kind of stuff. I have my experience with adult bookstores over the years and stuff that it sounded interesting to me, and I thought I'd like to try it. And I went there, and just enough that I didn't care for that kind of put me off, and I ended up sitting in the lobby watching the news while my friend was in back and just waiting for me. But I ended up not doing anything. Okay. It's funny the things that'll turn you off. Totally. There was sex all over the place and everything, and that didn't bother me. And a couple times I almost got turned on, but the place had a musty smell, like mold, mildew, stuff like that. And I'm such a clean freak about sex that that was like, all right, this is dirty. I can't even watch me. Yeah. That was one of the was like, that would be fun just to sit back and watch real people having real sex, you know, like free sex shows. Yeah. And if I do something, fine. If I don't, fine. You know, it's not my goal. And then I got in there and smelled that smell. And it was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. But yay for knowing your own needs. <laughs> Another joke I was told in my youth that has stayed with me is this fellow got a job as a lumberjack. And he went to the camp and he was told all the rules and everything. And he said, and on Saturday night, we have, you know, our parties. You come to the party at the chow hall. So he went to the party chow hall and he said, yeah, I heard there's a party here tonight. He said, yeah, it's a barrel party. He said, $20 down and it's all food and beer for $20 each time. And he said, okay. So he sat there and he's hanging out and he's having his beer. And he keeps noticing all the guys go over to this barrel and going up to it and sticking their dicks in. And he figures they're pissing in it because it's in the chow hall. And there's no bathroom. So he sat there and drank and drank and drank. He's talking to a guy, and the guy says, well, time to hit the barrel. And the guy goes over, and he drinks some more, and he thought, oh, now i got to piss. I better go over there. So he walks over and puts his dick into the barrel. As soon as he does, a mouth goes over his dick. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, oh, my God. And then he gets this really good blowjob. And he's like, oh, that was awesome. And he walks back, and he goes, so that's what the barrel party is. And so he's like, I'm going every Saturday night. So every Saturday night, he goes, puts $20 down and all that. He keeps going. And then after like a month and a half, he walks in. He's the bartender. He says, yeah, Cliff, here's my $20. Give me a beer. And Cliff said, uh, your money's no good here tonight. And he said, oh, really? Is it one of these things where like, if you come nine times, you get the tenth one free? He said, nope. Barrel man never pays. Tonight's your night in the barrel. <laughs> I remember hearing that when I was young. And I thought, I'd go to a barrel party. I know. As, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, how do I get inside a barrel? I want. I need to get a barrel now. <laughs> and I, I thought that would be perfect for me because the guy in the barrel is anonymous. We don't have to know. You can have all the fun you want. And, you know, and then I thought, and you're getting sucked the other times too. Yeah. And so ever since then, I've kind of wanted to create a barrel club oh my god yes and you can do it with women too and yeah the thing is it doesn't have to be completely honest it doesn't yeah. have to be a barrel i'd like to know what's your favorite thing about your sexual self that i'm non-judgmental and willing to please i think those are the best people to have sex with 
ones that won't judge you and want to please you. Yeah. If what pleases you is to do something for them, that's fine. Yeah. But if it pleases you that they do something for you, that's fine. So whatever the person wants, that's what I want to be. Beautiful. What are your hopes for your sex life going forward? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now, it ain't broke. Amazing. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? Tough question. If I went back to where that one person was trying to guilt me, I would have told them how stupid they were and how they went about it wrong and not let it bother me. Mm. But otherwise, I'd go back to younger me and say, yes, they are hitting on you. And yes, they do want you to fuck them about the girls. Yeah. There's so many opportunities because I wouldn't take that chance that I was going to offend them. So I wouldn't. Because I know a couple that have come back and told me I said, what the fuck you? You never gave me the opportunity. I'm like, gave you the opportunity. Yeah. I would have done it in a minute. I can relate. (laughs) Back then, it probably wouldn't really take me. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah. (laughs) And then lastly, do you have a sex question for me? I was wondering. Sometimes I listen to your show, and I almost feel pain for you because I get the impression that you feel like you're pulling teeth to get people to tell you. Don't say, then we went in and did stuff. Say, we went in, and she sucked your dick, you licked her ass. Because it's part of the entertainment and what a lot of people tune in for, and I see you struggling to try to get people and I was going to ask you, like, am I seeing it accurately? Do you get a little flustered or frustrated trying to draw it out? Sometimes. So the times where it's very obvious that I am like rushing someone or flustering like at them, it's usually because I know them well enough that I know I can poke them a little bit. And that is my real life level of impatience. Like with people who know me really well, I'll be like, no, 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 skip that, skip that. Or if I'm talking to someone and I sense that they're okay with that level of brusqueness, and if I trust that they can give me those details, I totally do that. It's funny because when I'm interviewing people, I go into a completely different mode in terms of my patience level. I'm an extremely impatient person, but because my job my self-assigned job (laughs) when I'm talking to people is really just to listen and to learn. Most of the time when I'm prompting people for details, it really is coming from a place of like, wait, I don't know if you don't tell me and my brain doesn't fill in the gaps very well. Like I can use my imagination, but I'm looking for external input. It's also just like practice, I think, in not just storytelling, but connection. Because what I notice is in real life, when I meet people, when I'm trying to make a new friend, there's this like period that sometimes lasts days, months, years of tentativeness where you're like, how much can I share? Like, can I use these words? Or like, is it okay? And so, you know, 
I'm trying to basically develop my sensitive emotional skills to invite those details from people in a way that's like not me poking them. But there are some people that I either know I can be playful with or I can, you know, like like some of the ones where people have felt triggered. Like I'm a little brusque with Tony. We have two Z's on the podcast, but the first Z that was like just after the first year, like I'm pretty brusque with them. And like I fully just cut them off at certain points. But it's usually just because I have a relationship with the person where it's allowed. So I don't get too frustrated because it's hard for most people to talk about sex, you know? Not everyone can come on and just like share all these stories. And so I pretty much feel very delighted. Mostly I'm dealing with conundrums of like, I want to hear everything and share everything. And I'm realizing that I have a larger capacity for sexual curiosity and detail than a lot of people do. <laughs> Maybe the listener, I'm projecting what I'm thinking on you because it's like, come on, let's yeah, That's, yeah. tell us about what yeah, I think it's easier for me because I'm like looking at the person. And so I have like all the compassion inside of me of like, I know you're here because you want to share. And if it's not coming out, it's not for a lack of desire, usually. Oh, my God. Oscar, thank you so much for being a guest on this show and sharing your details so generously. Well, thank you for having me. I feel bad because my goal was to tell you a bunch of good stories. And I didn't get to that part, but I hope it was a good show. Lovely humans, thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. <laughs> I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. Music